Welcome to DevOps Chats, the industry-leading podcast for DevOps, digital transformation, cloud-native, and cybersecurity. If it's happening, it's happening on DevOps Chats. Now here's your host, CEO of Accelerated Strategies Group, Mitch Ashley. I'm joined today by Colby Dice, who's Director with of Cloud Product Management at Tufin. Anyway, welcome. It's good to be talking with you. Uh, Hey, would you introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about you, and of course, tell us about Tufin. Yeah, well, you get my name and my title, so uh, I'm, I'm dialing in here from uh, beautiful uh, southern New Hampshire, where it's uh, fantastic weather. So I, I work for uh, Tufin Technologies. Tufin's uh, really well known in the industry for uh, providing security policy management, uh, mostly in the organizations like the Global 2000, the complex uh, environments where uh, you need to make changes to the network environment, and you need to be able to do it uh, quickly, uh, safely. Uh, ideally, you do it automatically. That's uh, secure... Uh, the Tufin product suite uh, helps organizations uh, do that. And so while we've done that in the traditional space, of course, our, our customers have adopted cloud, cloud-native platforms, Kubernetes, uh, and we've been um, taking these same capabilities for securing the environments and bringing them into the cloud. Uh, so you, no matter where you put your workloads, we, we can help you. And that's, that's mostly what we've been focused on. Yep. Good stuff, boy. Send of the universe for a lot of folks. Kind of speaking of that, just thinking about the timing of where we all are, you know, there's a lot of statistics. I, I run an analyst for, uh, firm as part of media ops organization and uh, called Accelerated Strategies Group. But anyway, we have a lot of data showing some of the acceleration that's happened both in digital transformation and also moved to the cloud just in the last six to nine months. I don't think that's news to anybody, right? I don't know if you need data to say that because it's happening probably in most of people's organizations. Right. Uh, if I put on my security hat for a moment, you know, we always get plenty of notice when we're making changes and doing new projects and accelerating stuff, sarcasm. So I'm sure there's a lot of security folks who are, you know, scrambling still just to, uh, not only keep pace, but make sure, you know, we're all doing a good job of securing the environments that our developers are taking us into, making sure we're understanding the services we might be using now that we weren't before, cloud services that we've been in. Uh, I'm sure you've seen a ton of that happening with with your customers. Yeah, it, it's no surprise. Uh, organization been moving to cloud, um, public cloud environments for a long, long time, uh, at, at least Technically, for the past 15 years, they've been doing it, uh, but it hasn't always been sanctioned, right? Uh, mm-hmm. But let, let's say over the past five or eight years, uh, organizations have really begun to intentionally uh, adopt the cloud. And, and now with this year, of course, everybody's moved into the cloud about as quickly uh, as, as they could. Um, and, and what we're seeing, that's what, what I've seen a lot, is security is now scrambling to try and get a hold of uh, some visibility what's really going on inside these, these cloud environments uh, and, and trying to put some sort of guardrails around the, the uh, services that the dev teams are, are using. That's, that's a real challenge because they've been focused so much on how to secure most of the on-prem environment or use firewalls to protect the, the cloud space. But, but now they realize they got to go a bit deeper mm-hmm. because, um, uh, well, b- because the threats are, are pretty real out there. Uh, they're really, really dynamic. And if you're not sure how to secure the cloud environment, um, you know, you're going to leave yourself open to, uh, open to threats. So security's really been, uh, spending a lot of time trying to learn more about cloud 
and cloud native security controls that we spend a lot of time helping customers figure out um, the difference between cloud native security controls and on-prem uh, stuff and, and then how to combine them so they can be uh, assured it's all, all secured. And we see that a lot. Well, you know, it's, I mean, we've all been doing firewalls and intrusion prevention and, you know, the list goes, access controls and mm -hmm. the list goes on. Yeah. So the topics aren't new, but the environments are different and the services, right? Yeah. It's not like you can go into the cloud. No, let's, let's use all the things I'm normally using in my on-prem environment. Uh -huh. Maybe you can get some software versions of that. Sometimes it's just better to use because better integrated, spend mm -hmm. less time making the environment work by using what's provided by the by the cloud provider. Yeah. And that, that pattern is, is the same everywhere. I've, I've seen that um, you're going to go to a new environment. You want to take some of the things that have worked for you in the past and, and carry them forward. Um, and a lot of times that, that makes sense as, as you try to move quickly uh, into the cloud. If you're not familiar with cloud native security controls, you probably think I'll just use firewalls. Um, and the process for managing firewalls is just throw them in the cloud. And there are a lot of options to do that. A lot of the traditional vendors in that space have tried to make a pivot to, to offer their same services, same capabilities uh, in the cloud environment. So it's no surprise that we see a ton of that. Um, mm -hmm. At the same time, uh, those processes around managing all that stuff still takes too long. You know, if you, if you move to cloud, you went there for agility, right? You, you want to build a rapidly build applications, get them out into the market as quickly as possible. But if you got to fill out a ticket to get a firewall change and it takes three days for that stuff to be processed, uh, you're, you're no longer as agile as you used to be when you could twiddle a little configuration in a Terraform template, redeploy and poof, you're up and running all over again. You know, and that's, uh, that's something you that take, security teams you take another nervous about. Days. To answer that ticket, you're probably going to have a fourth after your third <laughs> added to the, to the mix, right? Some developers are going to be like, I'm, I'm out of here. Let me go set, set up the next environment. Yeah. It's too, it's too difficult. You can't wait. So you, you don't want to see shadow IT any longer because IT was taking too long to respond, but you got to respect it. The IT's there, the security side of IT is just yeah. really trying to help uh, protect the business. But you know, you also saw like, um, Amazon and uh, and AWS, they they both announced their own firewalls, right? Um, Azure did a little bit back, uh, and uh, AWS just did um, mm. within the past month. And I think that's really just paying homage to the fact that th those are really good technologies. Firewall technologies really are good stuff, and you know it's more than security groups or NSGs. It goes beyond that, um, and that the businesses really need these. These are these do address customer problems. So we're we're seeing a lot of folks ask about um, how do they adopt those new technology new to the cloud provider, new technology, and how do they integrate them into their very agile processes. Uh, and I expect we'll see a lot more of that. And in, in fact, what we um, are finding that we do often is try to help organizations see how they can get the most value out of the cloud native security controls. Because the, these cloud environments are really, they're pretty solid. And like you pointed out, the, those security controls are, are integrated into the services. So it makes a lot of sense to use the services. They're there to be, um, to protect your assets and they're so integrated in services. You really should be trying to use them, but um, you know, it, it's a learning curve for security. So it, it means a lot to try and help them get the visibility and then start to affect control over that so that they don't have to slow down the rest of the business swapping out, let's say a, the cloud native control with a, a legacy control. Mm -hmm. It, it is that trade-off. And I think that's one of those where, 
in sort of, I think it puts security teams in a position where are we going to stick to our guns of this is the environment we're going to have consistent across all of the environments we operate in or uh, for sake of, you know, speed, but not sacrificing security. Maybe we do look at some other options and can those all integrate into the monitoring management systems as opposed to using the same firewall in every environment that we uh, take yeah. with us there, right? Yeah. Maybe it's easier said than done. It's, it's, I appreciate it. It's not an easy job. Right. You, you know, not whether you decide to use the cloud native security controls or use the traditional kind of controls, the virtualized versions of those or a combination of them, uh, one thing I think it's worth sharing is we, we see a lot of conversations around how, which technologies to adopt and then how to, um, how to actually manage those, those technologies. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, uh, from my point of view, it seems like we're, we're almost too focused on just getting down into the weeds about the specific security control. And as a security person, it, I think it makes a lot of sense to step back a little bit and try and focus on what's the overall security policy instead of thinking like, all right, what firewall should I use? Should I use one from the cloud or should I use one from my traditional vendor? Uh, it, it Maybe a better question to help organizations remain agile is for security to be able to focus on what the security policies are, what the guardrails should be, and then begin to um, get the the practice of checking cloud environments against those guardrails, against these policies as part of your CICD pipeline. So you know, the, the whole buzzword of, of shift left, but that, that's a real thing, right? That's really important. If security can focus on defining security policies where they have the strengths, but the actual implementation of enforcing the security policy is probably handled by the cloud operations or whoever actually twiddles the bits on the security controls. Like if you can marry those two things together and you can do it in CICD pipeline, then that that's a huge win. We've seen organizations move a lot faster because security focuses on what they do and they get it codified in a way that can play in a, in a pipeline. And now the app teams, they, they can make changes to an application or cloud ops can change the configuration of an environment and get an alert saying it doesn't comply with the security policy. That, that's great right? to, to step away from choosing which sort of security device you want to use and focus on do, do things, things, do things comply with the security policy. That's a major shift. And, and one that seems to be really hard for organizations to, to do, I think, to kind of get away from uh, security being hands-on with the control and, and now focus on, um, on the, on the policy. It's trust, but verify, I, I think. <laughs> Back to that old saying, right? Yeah. Well, you know, it, in in a way, it also comes down. You, you know, we're used to let's first take an inventory, make sure we know what's all out there that we're trying to secure. Sure, but it's, of course, it's equally just as important to have whether it's change management practices or software that can help you with notifying when changes occur or. Mm-hmm. Yeah, understanding so when a change occurs, how does that map back to policies that we have in place? And are we still, you know, in alignment? Are there gaps that we have to take care of? Because mm-hmm. the environment isn't, it is an environment we control everything in anymore. It changes by itself because other people are changing it along mm-hmm. with us. So mm-hmm. it's, it seems like it's more dynamic environment than maybe what we had 10 years ago, if you reflect back a it, bit. 
in, intentionally more dynamic, right? Businesses have to move faster. We have to have to react more quickly to customer demand or competitive threats or, or whatever. So the fact that we've got these dynamic environments just are a reflection of what we actually needed to have built anyway. And now we need to find a way to incorporate that back into our, our regular practices. So you, you made the comment about like being able to, to track what's changed and, and, you know, when and all that. But, you know, if you, if you adopt more of an infrastructure as code model, you already have that. You don't need a CMDB. Maybe you do, but you know, you don't have to have a CMDB in place when you could go back to your Git logs and, and see, oh, here's the pull request for the change that we made that uh, allowed for the security group to be open or for this Azure firewall to have this particular rule. Like you can actually see that information, but these are on the security side. These are new tools. Like when, as a security person, when, when was the last time you looked into a, you know, Git repo to, to repo. see what the configuration is. Git ops and security. Right. <laughs> right. Right. But we've got to get, we got to get somewhere around there, right. Mm-hmm. We, as, as a group collectively, uh, whether we're writing the, the code or we're managing the operations or we're managing the security collectively, we've got to be able to collaborate um, uh, and, and use these, these tools that uh, I can't say are emerging. They've been around a long time. The, the, like, Terraform and Helm, uh, Ansible, uh, Chef Puppet, the whole bit. Like these things have been around for a while, but to incorporate them now into our security practices is a is a pretty big leap for folks. Um, mm-hmm. So we you know we, we really try to encourage the security team get the visibility that they need. That's the first thing, as you you pointed out. Right. You absolutely need to understand what's deployed and what's talking to what and whether or not things are properly segmented. You, you, you've got to first get that visibility. But I think before you start jumping into, let's throw a bunch of other control points in there, consider what resources are there and, and how can you on the security side participate in automation, participate in the in these flows that your cloud ops, DevOps, SRE, whomever had, had set up. Because there's a really good opportunity now um, on security to um, be part of this agile process and to allow the business to be secure, but to do so in a way that won't de- uh, break the developer productivity. Mm-hmm. And that that's it's uncomfortable because it's a big change, uh, but it's a change that I, I know it, it can it can be done successfully. And we've we've worked with companies that that have done that. Um, but you've, you know, you got to make the conscious decision. I must wish we would step back and redefine shift left because if, if, you know, I were king of the world for, you know, a nanosecond, I would, <laughs> I would think about it as, you know, it's, it's not just about getting security people to work with the software teams earlier in the life cycle of software. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's that, but think about it this way of, you know, the old world was set the policies and then how do we impl- implement the enforcement mechanisms, right. Mm-hmm. To make sure that those are being followed. I think in the world we're in now, it's, Security people are, if you were going to set up a security practice in an organization today, what I would do is let's start with how software is created. Let's work with the team about how the entire tool chain is set up, how that flow happens, both for application software, but also for the infrastructure and how that gets created. Where we're talking about test environments, production environments, Mm -hmm. and maybe you're stepping into infrastructure as code if it really truly is a kind of dynamic Terraform or whatever kind of environment. Mm -hmm. But start there because if you understand how that's done, now you know how to secure it. You know how to work with teams to help them secure it. Then, then the next layer would be getting into the software architecture itself around Mm -hmm. microservices and 
you know, things that are more porous than we're used to kind of the hard out, outer shell of monolith applications of, mm-hmm. of the past. That, that to me is the mental shift, the big mental shift for a security team to not necessarily be an expert at all that stuff, but understanding that's what you're really securing now. So, so two things that stand out, like uh, responses I can imagine people uh, having right now. And that's, um, I don't have time to go and learn all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I've already got 20 other tickets for all high priority things. I got to get on that right now. So I, I can't go and, and learn all that stuff. Like, valid. That's definitely the, the case in a lot of organizations. Yeah. The, 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 and yeah. Uh, and, and, um, you know, an, another problem related to this is, uh, security teams who maybe do want to know, who maybe have some time to do that, but struggle that the application teams themselves don't even know what makes up the application and what connections do they they need. So even the folks who you think would know because they built it, you'd think they would know the, the answers to some of these questions, but it turns out that they don't in a, in a shockingly large number of scenarios. That's the case. Hmm. Uh, and And so if you're going to shift left, you've got to address not just the problem of the security team getting visibility in this, um, or maybe actually it is the same thing. Uh, the application teams have to be able to come to the table to say, this is what the application looks like. Here's how it's put together. Here are the resources it needs, and here are the services that will rely upon it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so if application groups can come to the table with that, then a security team can look at it usually very quickly to look at a, a a map and say, oh, these, I can see where it needs to be segmented this way. I can see where here's a resource that has uh, too close of an access to PII, PCI, right? And, um, and so th- that conversation could start a lot sooner if as part of your normal build practices, you were generating these views, you had some way to uh, produce a- an item that a network team or security team could could look at right. They don't need to look at the source code. They need to look at your network topology. They need to understand uh, what what you're connecting to. Um, so if you can bridge that gap, that that goes a long a long way. So at, to your, to your point, it's not just like I, I just need to check does it comply with the policy. Sometimes it's even just trying to define the policy at the yeah. at the outset. Trying to secure. Yeah, but but also um, while security never seems to get the heads up. Uh, about the things that are coming down, the joke that you made at the beginning. It's also the case that when the application team is building something that they don't really have all the rules. They're not sure what all the restrictions are. Uh, mm-hmm. And there are certainly plenty of guardrails, guidelines that they could have if you give them access that they could pull from an API to do their own checks. So, you know, there's a model. We've done this before in the industry. Like back back when I wrote code, um, we had a separate QA team. So we'd write code, we'd do a little bit of testing, but just enough, frankly, just to get it through the build, right? And then we'd throw it over the wall and went over to QA. And and then thankfully, our development practices matured to a point where we realized we actually need to integrate testing as part of what we do. So as developers, we had to own some of that testing, some more of the testing. But also importantly, the test team got involved earlier in the application lifecycle the model you were you were talking about. So application, uh, the QA teams could come in and learn a bit more and begin to set up some of the additional tests and participate in the the build process. Right? So what they did showed up in NMake. Um, so I think security is 
is on a path like that as well. I think security, instead of um, instead of app teams just throwing it over the wall and asking security to to figure out how to you know lock it all down, I think we're going to, and in some places, some customers for sure are moving to a place where security is part of the process earlier. And mm-hmm. if they can say, well, here's some of the tests. So now the guardrails, they can contribute some of that and it can go into this build process. Then um, now you've really begun to get that shift left. But we, we, I know this can happen. We've seen it happen before. Now QA is just integral to what we do. You can't even imagine putting a product out without um, some part of QA being part of the, the build process and tests happening mm-hmm. really early on, test planning happening early on. And I, I imagine security just uh, going in that same sort of sort of loop. Now, of course, Tufin's been in this space, you know, for a while, has built on a built up, I'm, I'm assuming a good body of knowledge about this. If you were going to advise maybe a new customer or an existing customer on, okay, you're playing, we're always playing catch up. We're really playing catch up now with, with how much more uh, cloud services that organizations are using in such a short period of time. Mm-hmm. What are some of the sort of best practice or recommendations of here's to sort of get the first thing established. Here's the next thing to work on. Here's the next thing. To yeah. work on. Any suggestions about that? Sure. We, we have this whole um, crawl, walk, run uh, methodology it, and it's designed to help organizations take these in, small steps towards getting to really secured uh, environments. And and the first step right away is just to get visibility. It's kind of a no duh statement, but it's actually one of the big problems that, that orgs have. Mm-hmm. You've got to be able to see what's deployed inside your cloud, what's deployed inside your cluster uh, and what reach, which resources are communicating with, with each other? Where are the dependencies? Um, so understanding that is a really major first step. It's true for the application teams, but for the security, it's to know, uh, you know, are things properly segmented? Like where are the biggest risks? So, so getting that um, awareness, that's, that's really the crawl phase. And in the walk phase, that's where you take what you've learned about what's deployed, what talks to what, and whether or not things are segmented properly. And then you begin to isolate. Here are specific accounts that we need to tackle, or here are uh, clusters that we need to tackle, like hone in on the higher priority items and begin to define a security policy for those uh, cloud-native environments. And as you develop the cloud-native policies, which you then share with the application teams or or the cloud operators, whoever's responsible for configuring it, as, as you develop that sort of um, that skill, you got to get to the run phase. And the run phase is when you begin to automate this. You automate generating security policies. You automate validating security policies. But um, but at the very beginning, where most organizations are, are at right now, is uh, first get that the visibility, um, and then the second step of defining a security policy. Um, not defining what is my security group definition, not defining what is my ANF, my um, AWS network firewall definition, but what is my security policy? What are the rules that should govern uh, access to applications, assets, resources of certain categories? Those are two big steps to take right away. I think that's some great advice. Um, I'm I'm curious, any thoughts as we, I I think we all want to turn the page on 2020 and kind of get to 2021 and hopefully we're looking uh, at a different kind of a year. 
Um, but one of, one of the, one of the things about 2020 is we're not going to go back. I don't think we're not going to go back to let's, let's rewind to January and start working in that environment again. Right. Everything has changed whether it's remote work or how much we're using the cloud. What, what are some things that you're anticipating for 2021 as uh, you look forward in the next, you know, six to 12 months and you kind of think we'll be uh, topics, maybe not as talked about yet, uh, but we'll be more topical and, 2021. I'm just kind of asking. Are, are you, you asking for the, predictions of 2021? Uh, you know, I know I don't see it, but I'm pretty sure there might be a crystal ball right behind you. <laughs> just look back a little bit there, kind of check back. <laughs> uh, well, I I think given the maturity of of the market, the market adoption of of cloud, like public cloud environments, I think we're going to see more security teams getting their arms around how to um, help in securing these cloud environments without necessarily always relying on the traditional devices. So I, I, we're already starting to see that even now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, I think we'll see more of the cloud native security control adoption. Um, I know organizations have seen the benefits of doing that to lower cost of uh, operation, lower, just the total lower cost of uh, ownership. Uh, plus the, the benefit of being able to say when there's a problem, I can call my cloud vendor. I don't have to worry about vendors poking at each other's. So I think we'll see uh, more of that. Um, I, I think it's the Kubernetes space that's probably the most interesting because it's the least well-known for most folks on the security side. Mm-hmm. So where let's say maybe over the past year, there's been a lot of emphasis, just like with cloud, slap a firewall on it and we'll solve the problems of microsegmentation later. Later is going to happen real quick, and uh, I'd, I'd expect in 2021 you'll see security start to get more involved in getting visibility into the clusters, and then looking to define the security policies, and not again not to try and define the policy of an individual cluster, but just the the general rules because there, there's no way they can keep up with um, what will really be thousands of services running inside of a cluster. Yeah. Um, so we'll, we'll see that. I think we'll see more organizations have to security side have to deal with the, the scale and the, the rate of change and begin to participate in the, in the automation processes that the dev teams are using uh, to manage it. Maybe that's something we'll hear more frequently. We'll be surprised if the, the uh, let's think of it as cloud native security, not just the security. Sort of think yeah. of that as one of your one of your architectural approaches to how you do security. Cloud native, the the native controls of the cloud provider. Yeah, mm-hmm. that, that's a that's a big shift for folks. Uh, I think mm-hmm. we'll see if we'll see if something like that happens. I, and I think the things you said made a lot of sense. Well, th- it's been great talking with you. So first chance you and I've had to to talk before. Yeah, it's good to talk to you, Mitch. A lot of fun. Um, tell us a little bit about where folks can learn more about Tufin. Uh, yeah, you know, of course you can go to tufin.com. That's T-U-F-I-N.com. Um, on the cloud side, like what's really relevant to what we're doing here. We've got a lot of resources at, uh, tufin.com slash try dash secure cloud. It's, um, cloud native security controls. It's really designed to help you get visibility and control the cloud native, um, security, uh, components. Uh, great, great stuff there. Free to use product. Um, there's a great trial for people to, to give a go. Tufin.com would be the place. Great. Perfect. Thanks. Well, we wish you the, the best of the holidays and, uh, and, and even better 2021. We'll look forward to that. Yeah. From your lips, man.
<laughs> Good luck in 2021, right. everybody. There you go. Hang on to that. Hang on to that. All right. Well, take care. It's very nice talking with you, Colby. Colby Dice from uh, Dufin. <laughs>